Welcome to the Total Football Podcast. My name is Second Heron. I'm joined by Andrew Conway. Hello. And Matthias O'Flaherty. Hello. International football is done and dusted until the new year, but don't fret, it's all action from here until Christmas. Hello everyone, uh, this week we have a special treat for you, a special guest host, Matthias, to give us an alternate, alternative view on this weekend's action, so let's jump straight into the news. Tony Pulis was sacked today, Monday, that's the big news of the weekend, I think. He's gone at last, the owners have seen the light. They came to see West Brom perform in inverted commas against Chelsea. Yeah, it wasn't, much of, a, wasn't much of a performance. No. no. I mean, the writing's been on the wall there for a while now. Um, yeah, the whole atmosphere around the stadium's yeah. been pretty terrible recently. Like two wins in twenty-one games is yeah. like absolutely atrocious form. And yeah. he's reinvested into the squad a little bit as well. I can't pronounce his name. The Polish defensive midfielder, Koviak, who's been terrible. Can't even. Yeah, like he's probably on a lot of wages as well. Like yeah. he is on loan, but like yeah. the wages. Well, there's loan like, fees these days. Yeah. That would probably yeah. be the same as the transfer of a lesser player. Yeah. Yeah, and like they have Higazi, I think, at the back as well. Mm. Like he started the season well. I think he scored in the first match, but other than that, he hasn't really been up to much. Yeah, but like West Brom, they thought there would be someone like Whip Burnier performing this season, or the way Southampton performed in previous seasons. They could kick on a bit with the kind of international signings they've made, but they've completely regressed back to the mean. Yeah, and and classic Tony Pulis. Yeah, but and that is the kind of question over Tony Pulis now. What does he do next? He'll get a job somewhere. I'm certain, absolutely certain, he would he would have taken the Sunderland job probably. I'd say you could even go for something better than Sunderland. You know, he's got a proven track mm. record with a couple of Premier League clubs now, and Sunderland are in a bit of a free fall. You know, he'll be he'll be there thereabouts for any club that's sacking a manager between here and Christmas. Really, could yeah. He, could he take the Wales job? I would. I think he would suit Wales down to the ground. To be quite honest, I think he has the he has the knack for international would football. He that's the type. Bale? But that's the type of football you need at the international level. Gareth Bale can be the one outsource yeah. for them and they could be solid everywhere else. The, the problem with international football is you don't have much time with your players. But Tony Pulis will work, use that time very well because he'll just work on system and shape and let Gareth Bale and the other creative players do their thing and he won't interfere with it. And I think that would work very well. I was thinking that maybe he would go to somewhere like Everton if it wasn't... It'd be poor timing if he for him to go to Everton now. Yeah, because his reputation's not in tatters, but it's in kind of. It, it needs a, a month or two. Like uh, it yeah. needs until the Christmas period. If this for was time, kind of forget. If yeah. this was the time last year, or say, whatever it was uh, when they stopped playing, when was that? February, March last year. Yeah. I, and Everton made yeah. the change. Then he could easily have taken that. Everton oh job. yeah, yeah, because like they were doing really well up until they hit forty points, and they they beat Arsenal, they drew United, and then they just stopped. Yep. And whatever it is, one win then. Was there they, no wins they, between then and the end of the season? They're winless since the second game of the season. They won their first two games of yeah, the season. which is barely. what kept them going this yeah. far. And like they even beat Burnley, who are in great form now. Mm. Like it seems like a bizarre result now that we look back on it. It was a rock against a brick wall, basically that match. Yeah. So that's kind of it was a fluke that someone won it. <laughs> yeah, it, that that is on paper probably the most boring fixture you can think of. Mm. Uh, but who who West Brom bring in? They have Gary Megson now, like. He's Gary Megson, former manager Gary Megson. He's not a long-term solution to anything. No. Well, Who's available? I always say Marco Bielsa, because it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's at Lille still at the moment. And they're in the relegation zone. But I mean, Bielsa coming into a defensive team like West Brom would be... Uh, yeah, it's like the, the opposite of what Bielsa... What could Bielsa do with James McLean? That's all I want to say. <laughs> yeah, that, w- that would actually be something special. You play him right. as like a goalkeeper. 
Just he's he's got strong. He's he got heart. He, he can play well, long balls. Yeah, you know, he never gives up. Yeah. Uh, well, Alan Pardew and Nigel Pearson have been the the <sighs> links today. I mean, yeah, neither of them are confidence inspiring. Speaking of managers whose reputations are in tatters a bit, yeah, like yeah, Gordon Strachan's available. <laughs> yeah, it's another Mackay. Mackay seems to be getting a lot. Malky Mackay. Yeah. I don't think Malky Mackay will get an easy return. I think Scotland's the way through. I know he's caretaker boss at the moment. Of the I wonder would Michael O'Neill be? No, I think that West Brown would be doing fairly well if they did get him. They um, would. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he'd go though. Like the money, they could throw a lot of money at him. Yeah, it seems like he is destined for Scotland though. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think the international football suits him, and it's improving his reputation all the time. Doing yeah, it. like yeah. if he could get Scotland to the Euros, even just in the next qualifying campaign, yeah. that'd be huge for them. Like, because you'll see now the plant managers there trans trans was transferring from international football to club football, like Chris Coleman. Yeah, he's gone to yeah. Sunderland. His his reputation's probably was at its peak on Wales. Yeah. It's not going to climb much further. Like he never really did much for Fulham. When he uh, he kept there. them going. Like he he yeah. kept them going on a limited budget. But like, like they did better once he left. Uh, they not they initially. A Europa League final. Yeah, eventually. but that was after a fair, a fair yeah. bit of change at the club, and it kind of went through a lot of in, like it was three or four years later. By the time they went to the the Michael Jackson statue was really well, yeah. the change they needed. <laughs> well, that's Chris Coleman to live through that ownership. So that, that's probably a, a badge of honor for him. But I don't know. Like the, I would imagine, just from their ownership and the way that they've in the past, West Brom have thought very international, internationally. Pepe they Mel? haven't. Yeah, but Pepe Mel, they haven't always approached the a decision of appointing a manager the way you might think they would. They haven't always gone to a Tony Pulis. Yeah. They haven't always gone to that type of manager. They went to Pepe Mel. They went to the. They went to the name of the manager who used to be the assistant under Mourinho. Uh, Chelsea. Clark, something Clark. Steve, oh, Clark. Steve, Clark. Steve, Clark. Steve Clark. Clark. Yeah. And he did excellently for them for a while. Yeah, and then he had them in the Champions League places. Yeah. Exactly. Christmas. And then they replaced him with his assistant, who also was a highly respected coach and very progressive, who didn't go as well. And that's what eventually led to Tony Pulis being appointed. Yeah. You know, these things go around and around and. With uh, Tony Pulis, though, the club's taken on a more British approach. Is that the right way of saying it? You know, they've been, they haven't been recruiting foreign players as much. There is a much more... They've been recruiting older players Older as well. players, yeah. yeah. They've gone... They're just going for a much more direct style of football, yeah. which, you know, if you're bringing in a European manager, I could see it going fairly like Frank De Boer at uh, Crystal yeah. Palace, you know? Yeah, that's Just too point. big a system change yeah. in one go. Already in the middle of the season as well. Exactly, yeah. Like maybe Pardew is someone they need to bring in just for the... Yeah, they, could, yeah, the they could bring in someone for that and then say this is it until only until the Because, like, of the David Moyes got a six-month contract, exactly. so, like, that yeah. could be the style. There's press yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. David Moyes probably wish he got the West Brom job. That yeah. Suit him a bit more. Like, there's already fan turmoil and... At West Ham as well. I mean, they're not too happy at West Brown either. No, they're not at all. But at least I think the ownership and the fans are on the same page at West Brom. Yeah. That yeah. they both want yeah. to pull this out. They both want the best for the club. And like I they think. came to this decision quickly enough, I think. Like this could have gone on longer. If it was yeah. West Ham, Tony Pulis would still yeah. be in a job. I think there's a lot of arguments, say, when you have Stephen Gerrard or you have other pundits of that ilk saying that, why would you sack Tony Pulis? He keeps you up. Yeah, but, be careful what you wish for yeah, is what people yeah. are saying. I, I think that's kind of a, a lousy argument. But at the same time, anyone who's in favour of that argument, they have given them, like, this was bad in May. The thing is, they've Tony, given them time. Yeah. Tony Pulis is 
teams always do drop off once they reach safety. I don't know, is that down to him or down to the mentality of the clubs he manages? But there is always a sort of noticeable drop off once he hits 40, 42 points. So this is the first season that he hasn't rebounded back at the beginning of the season yeah. and the results have continued to be poor over yeah. the summer. So, um, But there there is a thing that says that you know managers have a, a sell-by date almost. They have a useful life where they're at the top of their game. So Tony Pulis has been doing it for 10 years almost in the Premier League yeah. and maybe this is the tail end of his kind of usefulness that the game has moved on a certain amount and now he's It, it might be a bit trend. early to say that just yet because like, they did do really well last year up until yeah. February. What, they still finished 10th, did they? Uh, they finished 11th, I think, in the yeah, end. Something, you know, they're still like, that's still comfortable. a good finish comfortable. for West Brom, yeah. yeah. And, like, it was the quickest they had reached 40 points in the Premier League. Yeah. And you have to remember where West Brom were before Tony Pulis came in. They're in the relegation zone. Like, they, they were in. such a yo-yo yeah. club, and he's he's brought a stability there. But I think that's it's not just him that gets the, should get the credit for that. Yeah. I think it's the ownership and the Roy city. Roy Hodgson was very crucial in that. Roy Hodgson, Steve Clark, uh, and, like, they had good managers over a sustained period of time that eventually kept them in the Premier League. They had good planning when they were out of the Premier League yeah. as well. They didn't yeah. overspend. And that's why West Brom are the only Birmingham club left in the top flight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, going towards maybe the, the top of the table, uh, there was comfortable victories for Man City, Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, even Arsenal to mm-hmm. a lesser extent. Like... <laughs> At least by United, I suppose the only news there is they United have their big players back, Latans back. They're back to winning four one, which yeah. was their trademark at the beginning of the season. It was their best performance in a long time, like Yeah. But it was also Newcastle were a bit weird. It's yeah. like they couldn't ama- believe that they got ahead when they got ahead. Yeah, because that's the first goal. Believe like I couldn't believe this when I saw the statistic. It's the first goal from open play that United have conceded at Old Trafford this calendar year. That's really good. yeah. That's a like that's the damnation of their set piece defending. Yeah. yeah, like that's a ridiculous statistic. Really, a fair play to Dwight Gale. Like it was, it was yeah, good. Dwight Gale never scores. Yeah, in the Premier League anyway. But there was four players waiting to like any of four oh, players. Oh yeah, could definitely. Score that like goal. Lind- Lindelof fell over, but also like where was where was the rest, the of, rest defenders? of the defenders? Yeah. yeah, it was a bad. It ha- it's happened already a couple of times in Man United matches. I remember it happened to Juan Mata. I forget which match it was in, but Juan Mata did the same thing. It just kind of fell over yeah. and then there was a huge hole in the whole Man United defence and players could just stream through it. Yeah, I remember that as well. Like he was hugely a I think that was the Huddersfield match. Yeah, that was the Huddersfield match, the first goal. Yeah. And that was the kind of problem then is that Man United seem to be very shaky when they're in possession defensively. It's like a counterintuitive thing. Yeah. You think they'd be most solid when you'd have two banks of the defence in the midfield. Playing Chris Smalling at the back doesn't really help. You always have a thing against Chris Smalling. He just can't use his feet. Like he's a good, he's a good defender in the right system. Like he was very good under Van Al, but since Mourinho's come in and the system's kind of changed, he's not adapted to it well. Yeah, when's Eric by? He's he's constantly just injured after these international breaks. It's strange because yeah. he is the best defender at United. Yeah, clearly most and physical. Like Rojo's back now, so like that's interesting as well. Like my United are back to full health now. It seems. Yeah, except for by. Except for by, yeah. yeah. So like they they have Arsenal and Man City coming up like they'll be it'll be interesting to see how they perform with everyone back. The thing is, would they even need everybody back? I mean, when they go in against the big teams, it doesn't seem to matter who they have playing and who they don't yeah. because the game plans set out, you know. Whereas it against, helps to have Pogba in the team. Yeah, but yeah oh yeah, I, I I'd agree. I'd agree. But Pogba is much more crucial against the Newcastles yeah. and the Huddersfields than and, like, he is against. He was fantastic against Newcastle. He was like, absolutely he really showed like why United had struggled to create chances against smaller teams while he was gone. 
Yeah, yeah. I I think they'd probably still be keeping up with City if he hadn't been out. Yeah, like you think that he'd have brought a calmness to the midfield against someone like Huddersfield. Yeah, yeah. I I partially agree with you there. Like Papa does add a lot to the team. He does the running of two players, which is why Mata was able to be kind of allowed to play in the team because he's doing Mata's defensive cover as well. But I don't think Man United would be any better off than they are at the moment if he was playing in those match- the matches that he missed because they've beaten the teams they've ex- been expected to beat and they have not won the matches against the bigger teams. And that's it's just that Huddersfield match, really. Yeah, which can happen. That always happens. Yeah, yeah. But there is a gap, like the match against... Well, they won Spurs, so that's, we can rule that one it's out. It's the Chelsea match. Chelsea match and... Liverpool draw. The Liverpool draw, where they weren't... like I don't think Pogba would have made much of a difference in those matches. Yeah, like... like I can see that as well. Like maybe they could have got something from the Liverpool, like more from the Liverpool match with Pogba in the team. Anything. But yeah, I suppose it comes down to whether you think Mourinho would have gone for a more expansive game plan. Had yeah, he it's, available. it's just not likely that he would have. No. Like the thing is against Chelsea, they did open up. Like it seemed like yeah. they did want to attack in that match, and obviously Pogba would have helped there. The, but yeah. they still just lacked cohesion defensively that you think Chelsea would have broken the broken through at some point anyway see the big thing I think Pogba could give him in the big games is the option of playing more expansively because especially against the likes of Chelsea or City who have incredible midfields you know you want to have some sort of control in the game and Pogba does give you that you know because if you don't have that you kind of have to sit back and just defend against them you can't if you open it up without any sort of midfield control Especially yeah. City with the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva, they're going to hurt you, you know. Yeah, but it is like it is also it's a like it's a testament against Mourinho that without Pogba, without one player, with the amount of money they spent, that there's just no midfield essentially. Like he is the bur- like he he is the burden there of he is the creative outlet. They do have creative players. It's just they don't utilize them. In yeah, the way. like, like the, Masha could be that creative player. McIntyre Ma- as well. But the ball just flies over the head yeah. when Pogba's not there. Like I- Ibrahimovic could play in midfield as well. Yeah, but that's the thing. But like th- the problem with United, like I honestly think I understand what you're saying about. We'll see in the next couple of weeks when they play Arsenal, Man City, when they play them and see how Man United actually set up against them. But I think with Pogba fit, I think he will still approach those matches with the same team sheet and the same strategy. As in, he will go with. Matic, Herrera, and another kind of passy midfielder in the centre of midfield. And then instead of Mkhitaryan, Pogba will probably be that outlet. Yeah, and Fellaini will be there as well. Exactly. One of the, yeah, they'll have a kind of mix round of these things, whether they use Fellaini as an impact sub, which he kind of, that's kind of his role now. Yeah. It's like, and again, he, with all this, Pogba's back and Zlatan's back, he sent, he sent Fellaini up. And if you remember for the... You know, the chance that was discussed that uh, Zlatan had a, a flying volley type of yeah. thing kind of saved. It was a, a bit tame and he didn't really connect with it properly. But <laughs> the player that took three defenders out so Zlatan had <laughs> yeah. the space was Marwan Flaney, who just kind of ran into them. And but in Europe, probably would have been a free out. The thing about that, though, is like by that time, like United were already 3-1 or 4-1 up. Yeah, they, they were 4-1. Like, they, like Pogba, the, for the first goal in particular, was like absolutely fantastic the way he created the oh, yeah. chance. And it was interesting to see Mourinho actually play Lukaku, Rashford, and Martial up front for the first time. Like it's a wonky defense, like Newcastle. Yeah, but like he's like he should have done that earlier in the season. Like it just made so much sense to play them. Like Mkhitaryan is in such poor form mm. up to now. It's a wonder he didn't do it like weeks ago. It's they're not defensively solid with those players up front. That's just how it is. They don't track back. They don't press. No, but like the t- like I remember against Southampton, like Rashford was playing left back. Like they they do get back. 
Yeah, but it's not not the Mourinho standard. Yeah, like Mkhitaryan, it can be like it completely ruins his creative outlet. But he can be crafted into a player yeah. that kind of stands and like makes very and he, bad. He tackles. was a scapegoat during his poor form, poor form as well. Like a lot of fans tore into him at that point. Yeah. Like harshly as well. Like there's nothing he could really do. Nope. Like Mourinho's playing a system that doesn't suit him at all. Yeah, he can only be the player he is, and he yeah. can only play in the position he's playing in. And that's how it is. Mourinho, Mourinho also has the tendency to keep playing players who are out of form, regardless, because yeah. that's that's the way he feels they get back into form. You know, so when Mkhitaryan's playing badly. He's not going to take him off. And I feel with, you know, the creative depth he has at United, you know, with Rashford and Martial and Mata and all the other options, Lingard even, he he probably should rotate a bit more. But, like, he feels that doing that saps the confidence of the player. Yeah. You know? What about Luke Shaw? <laughs> yeah, Luke. Poor, poor Luke Shaw, who's <laughs> still in Mourinho's plans, apparently, even though... Uh, I don't uh, see how that... I can't see that happening. There's no. the worry as well. Mourinho's very worried that Fellaini might go on a free transfer as well. We'll see that... Uh, yeah, he's giving him hopes. January, and in January, we'll be able to see if he negotiates with anyone. There's rumours that he could go to Turkey. There's a lot of money going around yeah. in the Turkish sport at the moment. Yeah. If I was Fellaini, he's coming up in 30. If yeah, he's not see already. if he can get a payday. Like. Yeah, if Man United aren't going to give it. But I'd, Premier League clubs still pay the most. Manchester United is still a massive club. So yeah. if they offer him a new contract, they'll it'll, probably it'll offer him more. It'll be interesting to see in ja- like January. We probably will see, maybe. Yeah. First, same with like the likes of Sanchez and Ozil. We'll see movement there. There are yeah. a lot of players whose contracts are running contracts. down. Yeah, that'll yeah. be interesting to see. Uh, but the, the big match that came out of the weekend was Arsenal-Tottenham. And Arsenal were just... It was, it was their best performance of the season, without a shadow of a doubt. They were so oddly comfortable. Yeah, they just kind of bypassed Spurs' press. It was a very clever... You don't see it often, what, what they do, what Arsenal did against Spurs. is In other matches this season, Spurs have played really high lines for pressure. pressure. So they have the midfield and their attackers on, like Harry Kane is on the first defender with the ball once it gets past from the goalkeeper. But Arsenal seemed to have... They played purposely played a team that of all passers... They had Aaron Ramsey and Granite Jack in central defence or centre midfield. They had Koscielny, who's a good passer with the ball, Mustafi, who's a good passer with the ball, and Monreal, who's a good passer with the ball at the back. And they all just passed the ball around confidently. There was no hoofing. There was no worry. Now, any of that could have been pounced upon by Spurs, but they weren't really on it. So they didn't. And then as a result of that, Spurs were just, their press wasn't working and they didn't know what to do. And there was space opening up because everyone's pressing forward. And then Arsenal kept funneling through the middle. And if it weren't for some bad finishing and some a couple of good saves, yeah, could have had a few. Like, yeah, there could have been, you know, four or five nil probably. Yeah, and like Spurs just look so tired hmm. as well. Like Harry Kane didn't play during the international break, but he looked wrecked. By the time he was dragged off. His leg was heavily strapped during the match. He probably shouldn't have played that match. And yeah. we'll see whether it'll affect them. He probably won't play in the Champions League. I can't see him really. Yeah, I don't see that either. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes for him. But the, the, it shows that despite despite Spurs being bigged up, and I know we're going to talk about it later in the show, they aren't the team that we're led to believe. They're not. No. No, they have their moments, but they're not. they're not there yet. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't have a strength and depth to cope with a knock to Harry Kane or Deli Alley not being in form or whoever else isn't pulling the strings at Spurs. Yeah, like like Harry Kane's a fantastic player, like so he is hard to have a replacement for on the bench. Like Yorente just not that kind of player. No, they brought him on and did he even yeah, I don't know if he even I got much of a touch he did, like, the last twenty five minutes or so he was on. And like Deli Alley's been really poor this season, like it just looks like he needs a break. 
Like I, I think he played all 180 minutes of the international break. Like that's he's the exact kind of player that needed those two. Weeks and he's off. not in form either, so no. it's not helping him get any better. Yeah, yeah. He's he. I don't know. He obviously last year he was absolutely fantastic, one of the best players in the league. But maybe it came a bit too early for him, you know, because he's England's new wonder kid. It's you know, yeah. There is a lot of vu. hype around him as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I get a pay rise though. Spurs have a very yeah. strict wage structure, yeah. so maybe he's like he sees that, like looking across London at Arsenal, who are behind that him seems the league. to be the case with Jenny Rose. It looks like he's going to be at the door, and possibly even as soon as January. Yeah, I like mean, both United and City are apparently after him. Yeah, Did, with the comments he had, wasn't it back in summer, but just before the injury? He or no, it was, or was it during his? It injury? was just before the season started. Yeah. But he had, yeah, he was going on about how it's ridiculous that he's not being paid the same. And I mean, I can see his point, mm. but you can't come out and say that in the paper. Yeah. I mean, well, you wonder what the state of the relationship is if you go to that point. Because he has advisors, he has business advisors, he has agents that, you know, if he doesn't know from common sense, they'll tell him, no, you can't do this. They're setting up these interviews where he says these things. There's nothing that isn't yeah. done that's calculated. That's a very good point. But he's, yeah. he's been out of the side as well. Like he is back from injury, but he's not being played. Davis is playing at left back mm. or and left wing back when called upon. Which is a stark contrast to last season when Spurs had fewer games and they were rotating their fullbacks. Yeah, every they match. rotated in nearly every match. Yeah. So there's something afoot at Spurs. Yeah, and there was just something odd I noticed on Saturday. Like there was a lot of space between the wing, the either wing back and the third defender or the mm. defender on that side. Like Bayern did a lot of running in behind yeah. from pass like Ramsey was laid off a few passes for Bayern it was just poor crossing for Bayern that meant that they didn't capitalise on it yeah it was as if yeah. Arsenal had an extra two players in midfield almost. Yeah. yeah that's that's the biggest weakness with the system like that um, it happens to Chelsea too normally if they lose it's because the space behind the wing backs gets exploited and it takes like really athletic wing backs to do the system because they need to be back and up and back and up and back and up but even then, when you're playing against a team like Arsenal, who are so good at moving the ball, you know, that mightn't always be enough. Yeah, and like Mesut Ozil had one of his best performances in an Arsenal jersey as well. Like, I think he ran 12 kilometres. I think he made four successful tackles, which yeah, is like, pretty good for Mesut Ozil. Was, I think it was at the start of the second half, like, he just completely bullied Deli Alli off the ball. Yeah. And, like, you would think that Deli Alli would be, like, he would hold his own yeah. on the ball. But, like, Ozil just ran right through him. I think it was called for a foul, but like, doesn't matter. Yeah, it was. Still, <laughs> yeah. He got completely out muscled yeah. by Ozil, like, and like the way Ozil is treated in the press, like it's always like, oh, he's such a meek player, like luxury player. You can't play anything against the big sides, but like he, re- this is probably his best performance against a big side that we've seen in Arsenal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like yeah. he tore apart Tottenham. Yeah, they were they were they were excellent the day, but there's like there's a thing to be said, and I saw it in a lot of reaction of the of the match that is it. Is this Arsenal's cup final? I know the Independent went with that line that did Arsenal just raise their game to play Spurs this one time, and now you'll see the real Arsenal next few weeks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see can they cap can they like repeat this performance against Man United? I think yeah. that's the next big team they're playing. Well, before the international break, they played Man City and they played quite well against Man City. Yeah, playing a different one system. One of the better like, teams come up against Man City. You know, they were unfortunate. They lost three one. They had chances to equalise. The offside. They were unfortunate the with a, a couple of decisions in the match. They were unhappy with, but you know they were they were beaten by the better side. But that was a good performance, and then this was another good performance again. And they're back to back big teams, so yeah, maybe it isn't. 
their because, cup final because they did have their performance against Chelsea last season the 3-0 or the 3-0 against United the season before that like they have these one-off performances in them mm. but they've just never been able to do it consistently I'd feel that um, Arsenal this year have been going quite well almost under the radar really because um, they didn't start it off too well was it in the first five they, six games they dropped most of their points yeah like they lost to Stoke in the second yeah. game of the season they just got through the line against Leicester on the opening day yeah and like they've kind of bounced back from that again now and they're looking they're looking good really they're only two points behind Chelsea four behind United uh, yeah yeah. yeah 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 I mean they're no worse than those teams really on the basis of it this season yeah, and then, they did actually play well at Stamford Bridge as well yeah exactly they have been consistently quite good even when losing and you know the teams they've lost to City, Chelsea, you know, Watford as well. Wat- like they had that. They, that was yeah. kind of a strange they match have, as well. They have their exceptions, all right. Um, but I don't think that they're nearly as inconsistent as they're, you know, made out to be. And they were all away performances as well. Like they've won their eleventh league match at the Emirates in a row, which is a a record at the Emirates. I think. Like their home record has been very good this season. They won every every match this season, which it was in last season. Yeah, they lost a lot yeah. of home matches last season. So, like, if they can keep that, like, if they keep that kind of record up throughout the season, like, mm. just build on that away form. Be be kind of like Burnley last season, just, you know. Win all the games at home yeah. and then try to survive away from home. Yeah. Uh, moving away from the Premier League, there's, uh, in La Liga, there was the Madrid derby that we spoke about last week. It didn't, didn't really live up to expectations. Uh, the winner of that match was Barcelona in the end, really. It's now a 10-point gap between... Barcelona and the two Madrid sides, they finished nil all. Is the title race over in La Liga? Valencia are still there. They're four points adrift to yeah. Barcelona. Simone Zaza. They, they, still do they play next week, so that'll oh, be... Oh, the title decider. Valencia against Barcelona. Um, no, it's it, it's still too early to say it's over if this comes to the the Clasico in December 23rd or whenever it's on, and there's still 10 points between them, and Barcelona win then you might have to revisit the situation and say probably it is over at that yeah. point because teams in Spain don't drop, the top teams in Spain don't drop that many points. They tend to like a 10-point turnaround from the new year. It's probably impossible. It'd be a, take probably the biggest collapse of the last 20 years in Spain for something like that to happen. Yeah, like a 10-point deficit has never been turned around in La Liga. Yeah, so it's unlikely to, to change the moment. But the, that match was a good match, the the Madrid derby at the Bernabeu. Like... Atletico wanted to kick the hell out yeah. of Real Madrid. They the two were, teams do absolutely hate each other at this point. Like, like they've met so often. Did you see? Uh, it was a free kick to Real Madrid. Benzema got fouled and he hit the deck. And I forget where it was the le- the left midfielder for Atletico just volleyed the ball from about five yards into oh, Benzema's head. I saw that. I saw that. And yeah. Marcelo nearly lost his life trying to stand up for the giant Frenchman who's twice <laughs> the size. Just like wanting to fight them, it was wonderful. The ball went out at the stadium; he hit him so hard. But like, what's going on with Ronaldo? He's only got one goal this season. He's out of what fifty-five shots. Like he scored less than he scored fewer goals than Paulinho, who was ridiculed going into the season. Paulinho has four goals now in La Liga. Yeah, I think he's outscored the BBC. I think that was the stat I saw. He scored more than Benzema, Bale, and Cristiano. Like that's that's not good for Real. Like they're. They hang their hat on the BBC, like like they've been. There's been cracks papered over by Asensio and players of his ilk that have actually contributed more goals than are than will be traditional for a Ronaldo-focused side. 
but yeah, R- Ronaldo's not playing well. He's t- I think he scored a few in the Champions League. Um, yeah, he's he got some against Apoel in Dortmund. I think did he not yeah. score against? Oh, he, he got, got a penalty, penalty yeah. Yeah, against Tottenham. Yeah. yeah, you know, so there is goals there. But he's just, I don't know what it is about Spain. Maybe they finally figured him out in Spain after letting him score 300 odd yeah. goals against them. But is there just kind of an apathy? Like, Sir Alex Ferguson always said that retaining the title was harder than winning it back. Like, is there a sense of that it's, in this Madrid side? It's a little tough to say that about a side that won the first back to back Champions League since. But it, have they just reached that point League? where, like, they've won it and they're just kind of bored? I, I wouldn't say that that's the problem. Um,. I do think that the Ronaldo focus at the club has probably hurt them a little more than they thought it would because they have a lot of good young players. They have uh, Isco's coming through. He's playing really well. They have um, Asensio. They have Vasquez. um, But like they're still playing Benzema up front and they had Morata. And out of the two, Morata is definitely the better pick for the future. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've kept Benzema and that's mostly because of his chemistry with Ronaldo, you know? He's not like that's very short term thinking. Yeah, exactly. Ronaldo's what, thirty two now? Thirty four. Thirty four. Thirty four. I didn't think he was that old. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, like is this he's he wants to get seven ballon doors, he's on five, like he's not gonna get if he continues there's no way they can kind of shoehorn him another one. Yeah, like after. unless he kind unless he drags Portugal to a World Cup. Which I think is beyond him at this point. Yeah, but like I know what you're saying about Ronaldo. The team is too focused on Ronaldo and has been too focused on Ronaldo. So when he was is missing, like he was for the suspension at the beginning of the season, they suffered. They weren't able to, you know, really adjust. And then when he came back, he took a few games to get back in form. And then there was breakages with the international breaks and things like that kind of happened and then he was out again and he couldn't score and various things happened it's kind of been a very stop start season for them but I think more so than you see the team what you're saying about oh it's a, are they just gone stale or something like that possibly although Madrid went actively tried to avoid this during the summer they went and bought young players I know they got rid of Morata which is probably an error but they wanted to keep Ronaldo happy and keep Ronaldo happy by keeping him scoring goals and that's what Benzema's helped him do for so many years so if it's not the young players coming through that are trying to refresh the whole side, you have to look elsewhere. The players are still top quality. They're still performing for their nations. They're still performing elsewhere. So then the look then goes to Zidane, who was always looked at a caretaker manager at the club, even though he's now won two Champions Leagues and a league title. And you look at how teams are now outwitting Real Madrid, where previously everyone was in such high form that the players just... They, you know, they often say about Man City that anyone can manage Man City to at least you know a top four finish because they have so much money. Well, most team, most managers could probably manage Real Madrid to a high La Liga finish and you know far in the Champions League. And maybe Zidane's personality and the fact that he is Zinedine Zidane pushed them over that extra ledge to make them win the tournament. And now maybe it's been found out that okay, we've won two Champions Leagues, we've won the league. You know, you're Zidane, but now look at us, we've won as many Champions Leagues as we've won more Champions Leagues than you ever won. So maybe it's like we're better now and we need more tuition or we need more tactics or strategy than he's providing. But uh, the club's the club is obviously famous for the amount of egos they have there. And um, with the big personalities in the dressing room, the Ronaldos, the Bales, um, if Zidane can't keep them in line, you know, this is, mm. he's won Champions Leagues as a player, he's won them as a manager, he's one of the best footballers ever. If he doesn't have the respect of the players and can't keep him in line, you know, 
Maybe, maybe, maybe that's um, going a bit far. But if he can't tactically manage them, mm-hmm. at least he can keep them in line. So far, you know, there yeah. isn't. I don't think they I mean, misbehaved or spoke. I don't think anyone would yeah. speak out against Zidane. No, I agree with you. I think I don't think anyone could keep if he can't keep them all, you know, up motivated and stuff like that. I don't think any manager could. But maybe it's the other side of it. We saw when that Barcelona club that I've forgotten the name of. Even though a few weeks ago they beat Real Madrid, do you remember the name of that Barcelona club? Espanol. No, the other one um, that beat Deportivo. No, I forget the name of them. But they beat Real Madrid like four weeks ago, and I've already forgotten their I name. I know they lost to Real Betis. Yeah, but you know this. That's that's a very good. Uh, it's a very good piece of information to understand when we're we're trying to talk about them. Uh, they, the manager came out after they won and they said, "We just, you know, we watched them play. We figured out that they don't play. They don't like playing against high tempo, high pressure." attacking them through the middle and they were not able to cope and even though they have better players they weren't systematically it's a team it's a team game it's not an individual game and that's kind of where they're suffering right so yeah. how much longer will Zidane be Real Madrid manager if they lose the Clasico and it's still 10 points to 13 points at that point I don't see him surviving after Christmas but like who do you bring in after Zidane they'll, they'll get someone else Rafa Benitez they could bring him back it's Real Madrid, they'll get anybody. They've sacked bigger managers than Zidane. No offence to Zidane, but they've sacked bigger managers than Zidane. Would they go for Pochettino? No. Maybe in the long term, I think for the rest of the season, Pochettino would be too expensive. I think they would bring in... Yeah. There's, I know Pochettino's Argentinian and he's lived a lot of his life in Spain, but there is uh, an urge in Spain to keep the kind of ma- management at the top Spanish, especially in the current political climate. I think the next pointy will be a Spaniard. I yeah, I would feel if Zidane goes anytime soon, it's going to be a very poison chalice mm. because especially Ronaldo. I don't want to say he's in decline because obviously he's he could so, bounce back exactly. Yeah. But you do have the problem that you know the next medium term manager, the next guy who's there for two three years, he's going to have to phase out Ronaldo, yeah. and you need somebody who can handle an ego, yeah, who can the ego, you know, um. If, if Zidane's there, he's probably the best sort of candidate for it. But, like, who else can come in and do that? You know, who else can come in and tell Ronaldo you're dropped? Jose Mourinho? Jose. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think do he'll be going back. No, I, like, when it comes to getting rid of Ronaldo, I think they're praying that he either gets injured, requests transfer to another club, i.e. Paris or someone like that, or they find this golden manager who's able to actually control Ronaldo, reappoint Sir Alex Ferguson or something yeah. like that. It's I don't see I don't see any manager in current world football that can, well maybe Pep Guardiola or someone like that who who has clearly said multiple times that Ronaldo is nothing against Messi and I don't think he's Ronaldo's biggest fan. So maybe someone like him, but it's yet to be seen. Uh, that will do us for part one uh, join us after part two we will discuss Pochettino and Spurs' inability in the big games over the weekend Gary Lineker tweeted a stat of the 17 away matches Pochettino has managed against the big top six clubs Spurs have only managed a single victory are Spurs overrated? They can't seem to do it against the big clubs. Their players are constantly praised. Their mistakes often overlooked. Why? Is it too easy to say because some of them are English and it's like it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful story to see a bunch of young English players being all brought together, being brought through. 
they're all on a structured wage package, so they're not overpaid the way that Man City or Man United or Arsenal or Liverpool players are. Is it like something that you want to see? Oh, I want them to do well. We want them to do well. Pochettino plays football right. He plays a kind of attacking football. He plays something different. And, you know, Spurs are an old club that a lot of people liked because they're always losers. And now he can make them into winners. Is that too easy to say? Or is it? Probably. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Like, I think some of what you said is definitely correct. But, like, I think it's just... Pochettino is still young in his management career as well. Like he's still learning. Like he's only in his second year in the Champions League, where they have won big matches. Like so, like they got a draw on the Bernabeu. Like that's a really impressive result, despite what we were just saying well, we about just Real said, Madrid. Like, maybe it isn't, you know, because maybe Real Madrid are on that decline. They have reached their peak last May, and now they're on their way down. Uh, I'd 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 agree definitely with some of the English bias, um, but I'd also say that. Spurs aren't the team that they're made out to be, you know. Um, they Pochettino's obviously do, done a wonderful job there. First, like they're far better than they were ten years ago. Like they are genuinely tops. Even, even five years. Even ago. five years ago, yeah. Poor they, Harry Redknapp. Yeah, no, but they're genuinely top six now. The thing is, because they were the only team in the race with Leicester when the year Leicester won it. They're the only team who kept up with Chelsea when Chelsea won it. They're kind of seen as title contenders at this point. Whereas I don't think that they're title contenders in the same way that um, City, United and Chelsea might be. I think they're more on the level of an Arsenal right now. You'd look at them, you know they're going to do well, they're going to be one of the better teams in the league, but you don't really expect them to challenge for the title. Yeah, Hugo Lloris agrees with you. He had a quote there after the Arsenal match saying that he forget about the talk about catching Chelsea. Our main goal for the season is the top four. Like that's I don't yeah. know if that's an admission like, of that. That makes sense though for Tottenham. Like they can't all of a sudden, like they they they're jumping a step there. Like you need to solidify yourself as a Champions League team before you can actually win the Premier League. Leicester didn't. Well, Leicester is like an incredible exception that we will never see. And Man City again. didn't either when they won the Premier League. No, Man City are spending so much more than Tottenham were able to or are able to. Yeah, and I would say that should be a note of concern for Tottenham because they don't want to miss their chance. They've got the best team they've probably one of the best teams they've ever had. Yeah. They have a lot of really good young talented players, but they're not paying them nearly as much as they get anywhere else. They're building a new stadium, which is taking up a large amount of what they brought in, you know, buying, getting into the Champions League, by increasing their status. And I know Harry Kane especially has come right out and said, I don't want to leave Tottenham, I'll stay they with Tottenham. He had a quote about that this weekend. Yeah, like. yeah, but that mightn't be true for Christian Eriksen. That mightn't be true for Deli Ali. That mightn't be true for Alderweireld. Like, we're already Vertonga. seeing it with Danny Rose, as mentioned. Yep, exactly. Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker already went. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I could see Spurs' most promising team falling apart around mm-hmm. you know they have they missed their opportunity yeah. already yeah. It's kinda like, they're kind of like a Monaco or a Dortmund in that way yeah like that Monaco team had like it wasn't as like slow a build up like it was very sudden it seems that Monaco were all of a sudden winning Liga and getting the Champions League semi-final and similar to Dortmund back when they were winning under Klopp but now like it's just because it's such a slow build towards the title mm-hmm. and they're not actually getting there like it just seems like it's going to be such a harsher decline like all those Monaco players were sold last summer. That Dortmund yeah. team that got to the Champions League final has been picked apart yeah. over the years. It's inevitable that Spurs will be. They don't have the economic capacity to keep up with a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, a Man United. They just don't. 
that it's a reality that most at least one of these players is going to be sold in the next in the next of the next two windows probably one of them is going to be sold and you can say what you want about Harry Kane if he is sold from above he has no choice to stay at Spurs like if if Real Madrid come and I don't think they will but if they do come and it's like offer 200 million pounds even like Ed Woodward of Man United like they yeah. could, they could come knocking on the door very easily like it's yeah. the exact kind of purchase that Ed Woodward would love at the club yeah big name no explanation he's English yeah. oh yeah but the, Harry Kane is he seems to be a very nice fella he is marketable He's a perfect purchase for a large team. No matter where you go, like if I would, if an Italian club could afford him, if a Spanish club could afford him, he'll bring in new revenue, new streams. He speaks English. He can speak to the American audience and can speak to the English audience and stuff like that. He'd be a great purchase for any of these big teams. I don't see him winning much at Spurs, if anything. Yeah, like they. That's yeah. That's you asked earlier. Do they miss their chance? We were talking about Dortmund and Monaco. They both won the league. Yeah. You know? Tottenham didn't, and. Really, the year Leicester won the title, that was their chance. Yeah, that was every other big team. Chelsea imploded. Um, City and United weren't at the races. Um, Arsenal. Arsenal were actually just kind of the same. Arsenal were finished the same. second. Yeah, yeah. But like, even since then, Arsenal have won the FA Cup. Yeah. You know what have Tottenham won? They have won nothing. Wasn't they're isn't not the even Cardinal trying Cup? to win the League Cup? And no, stuff like they're this. not. And I mean, I can understand. Okay, the FA Cup is the third most prestigious competition they're involved in. But look at last year; they were in the semi-final with uh, City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. The league was gone for them at that point. Yeah, surely you'd prioritize that. And even all right, it's only the FA Cup. But like the teams you'd have to beat, showing that you could go out there and beat City and then Chelsea. Or beating Chelsea first. It was Chelsea in the semi-final. Yeah. And then City or but Arsenal. They were really poor in that final. They were. They were. They didn't seem They didn't seem to want it. And I can't understand why you wouldn't... Like, that would be the first piece of silverware since 2007? Yeah. Was the Carlton yeah, Cup back the then? They yeah. haven't won the FA Cup since 91. Yeah, they haven't won the league since the 70s? It's uh, 1961. They won the double. Right, yeah. I mean, I know the FA Cup doesn't seem like as much of a big deal now, but it's still, it's something. It shows that the process is working. Like, it's big enough for Arsenal to win. Arsenal exactly. One of the biggest clubs in England. Like. It's kept Arsene Wenger in a job. I mean... Yeah. yeah. It is, yeah. I don't understand why they talk it down, or even the League Cup. Like, Mourinho talks about the League Cup like it's the Champions League whenever he wins it. Yeah, like, like it is silverware. Like, it builds yeah. experience in winning these high... Yeah. Like, they're not high-pressure matches, but there's still pressure. There's yeah. still pressure well, there Well, the final win. is. Yeah. The final is yeah. a big match. And I'd say the semi-final when you had teams of the calibre we did last year is also yeah. high pressure. Yeah, like that's probably one of the like highest highest quality semi-finals we've had in the FA Cup in years. Yeah, yeah. and they just completely imploded really yeah. in that semi-final. They were nowhere near Chelsea. Mm. And I'd feel part of the reason is you said earlier everybody loves Spurs because you know they're lovable losers. Yeah. I don't think they've fully shaken that off yet. No. They've still got it in their head. There's you know. still a bit of like that lads. It's lads yeah. Spurs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Still have that reputation. Exactly. Yeah. And really, they need to get rid of that if they want. I feel that's part of why they lost to Arsenal, you know. Um, Pochettino was making excuses about the ref afterwards, you know, that both the goals shouldn't have stood. There was a foul. The first goal was offside, like it's marginal, those calls go against you. Like like it was in the first half, you're supposed to bounce back from that. Exactly. There was plenty of time left on the clock. That happens to every team, you know. That's not not a big, that's not like Northern Ireland against Switzerland level Mm. of injustice. That's the sort of stuff that happens in football. Swings around about things. Exactly. And like the second goal was fine from what I remember. But the thing with it, 
when did Arsenal score that goal after it was back very early yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Like there was still most of the match yeah. yeah still most of the match left they went and conceded another one did they look like scoring at any point during the no, like, they, uh, there was one save that Czech made late on yeah. like 70 plus minutes that would have made it 2-1 maybe would have made it a match but they didn't create anything with Harry Kane on the field with Deli Alley on the field yeah both of them were like some of their poorest performances I've seen yeah. for a while and these are their leadership players and if they're not fit they're not fit fair enough or if they're not informed they're not informed but do something to change it then yeah like yeah. why why did it take so long for someone like Son to come on yeah, especially if Deli, like Deli, I know you said it at the time that maybe so, like Deli Ali or Kane, if Kane was carrying an injury and Deli Ali is not performing, make the change earlier, make it at half time, change it all up. But they didn't do it; they just dragged it on. Like we were saying earlier about talking about Tony Pulis and about how his effect on teams it's psychological as well that they get to the forty points and they all think job done. Tony Pulis always that that was the that was the marker that was what we intended for. A similar trend has been unfortunate in Pochettino's history, that every single team he's had has fallen away, that they haven't made the whole, they haven't performed over the whole season. Now, he he was a disciple of Bielsa, maybe it's a a hangover from that that hasn't been resolved yet, but his Espanyol teams always fell away at the end of the season or had a big patch where they just didn't perform and it hurt them at the end of the season. Happened at Southampton, both, was he at two two seasons Southampton, both seasons? Season and a half. Season and a half. Both times, at near the end, they performed very well. Near the end, they just kind of fell apart. It was the same the year that they challenged Leicester for the yeah. title. Like they totally collapsed, resulting in that five, humiliating 5-1 like, defeat against it, Newcastle. It, it seemed to have improved a bit last season, but then the Chelsea semi-final, and then that was the end of the season, basically. Even even before the Chelsea semi-final, um, there was the one weekend Chelsea had drawn a game, and I can't remember, were they four points clear or seven points clear, but Spurs had a game in hand. And they could really put pressure on it. I think Spurs were away to West Ham. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. West Ham. And they went and lost it. You know, that's... Yeah. They seem to just... Yeah, they fall apart when the pressure is yeah, really pressure. on them. Like, Harry Kane... How many goals did Harry Kane score in the last two, yeah. three matches of the season? Yeah, when once they, the season was over. Once the season was over, Leicester yeah. and some yeah. other team. Like Became top scorer just off that alone. Scoring back-to-back goals, hat-tricks yeah. or something. Yeah. And but especially when you have a manager like Pochettino, whose teams do fall away at the end of the season, yeah. that can't help mentally. No, because like if you've got you're a club with a history of bottling it, yeah. you know you've got a manager who's got a history of teams falling away at the end of the season when it really matters. And I mean, without them winning something like the FA Cup, something that matters, without some something sort to of cling on to at exactly the end of the season. something to start a culture of success that can kind of change the mindset around the team, I can't see them. I can't see them flat out, you know, winning the league without winning something else yeah. first. I can't see him winning the Champions League without something to build up to it. Yeah. They've already lost more games this season than they I think than they lost last season. They've they? lost more at home certainly. Like they yeah. haven't beaten last they've season lost, at home. Yeah. So they've lost four matches I think so far this season. Yeah. And, and yeah, you can excuse some of that because they're playing at Wembley. Um yeah. and yeah, even last year they were playing in Wembley for the Champions League and it, you know, their yeah. Champions League last year was a disaster. Maybe don't move stadium. But in the end, though, like that stadium is probably better for them long term. Yeah, well, the point of it is to build up, is to build your stadium so that you have more revenue streams so they can compete in a longer term basis yeah. against Arsenal, against the cash cows at Chelsea, at Man City. But the problem is they could end up with a Liverpool situation where, not to disparage Liverpool, but they've been trying to reach that level. They are a big team. 
who do compete from time to time but then have to fall back because they don't have the ability to compete on a long-term basis with their rivals. So Liverpool build to a point where Brendan Rodgers brings them to the cusp of the league title or Rafa Benitez do it or uh, Jared Houllier did it previously and then they fall away for three or four or five seasons afterwards while they build again and that could happen to Spurs now that they'll get in the Champions League now they're fine they're comfortable they're moving a couple of years they're doing well they're not winning anything and then you see all these players being sold off and then the next four or five years will be them rebuilding yeah like we're seeing that at Dortmund and Monaco now as well yeah there I, is a cycle at Ajax previously happened yeah. in the 90s no I, I'd agree with that but I'd say the better comparison is Arsenal because yeah. Arsenal back um, 2006 wasn't it they moved from Highbury yeah. to the Emirates yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that made more sense in a long-term point of view. But I think that almost killed Arsenal because Arsenal, Arsenal won the league in 2004, you know? Chelsea won in 2005. Arsenal were still title contenders. But that, they couldn't spend the money Chelsea did. They couldn't spend the money United did. That meant United and Chelsea were the big teams at the end of the decade. And because of the expansion of the Premier League, Arsenal never caught back up. Because yeah. Chelsea, United... They were bigger worldwide. City now too. They're now bigger worldwide. They've yeah. got a bigger fan they have base. The state funding coming exactly. Them, yeah. Exactly, and they've got you know they got their foreign fans. They've got more different revenue streams because mm-hmm. Arsenal, in those terms, are the fourth biggest club in England. Yeah. You know, and it's because they invested. They went for long term. Yeah. Sometimes, as a football club, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And yeah, I'd wonder. I'd wonder. Is this one of those times? Are Tottenham now? Because especially there's a big six now. There's not a big four. Yeah. You know, they're not guaranteed Champions League. Liverpool Liverpool could easily beat them, yeah. you know, to the Champions League. Arsenal they could easily, could easily finish sixth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if they finish sixth, even when the new stadium comes in, sure, it makes it makes them more money. It does. But stadiums aren't the biggest part of a team's money anymore. Yeah, that's not by a long shot. No longer yeah. what teams rely yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, Arsenal I think make the second most per match day. I think it's them and yeah. Manchester United make the most money. Do they not make more than Man United? Oh, now? maybe they do make they more because the tickets are more expensive. Yeah. So much more but that's like, yeah. it doesn't matter when the Premier League give you a billion pounds. Yeah, yeah Man United are still yeah. outspending Arsenal by yeah. vast amount. Yeah. And maybe you're right that like Arsenal made it, they were champions 2004 unbeaten, 2005 finished second, yeah. runners up to Chelsea, and nearly could have done it. They kind of got in a, yeah. a fist fight with Manchester United that season that cost them the, their league. And then 2006 got to the Champions League final. They haven't yeah. reached those heights yet. They almost won the league in 2008. They finished second a few years ago. That's it. Yeah, yeah like other than the FA Cup, they haven't had much yeah. success. Yeah, that's, and that's maybe it's down. It is down entirely because Arsenal completely sold off that 2004 team and rebuilt from scratch with youth players the way Spurs are now. Yeah, we're even seeing this parallels that Tottenham are selling their best players to Man City. Yeah, yeah. Like it's even, it's like it's that close to par- parallel. Yeah. yeah, maybe they're they're too they're too close to it to actually see. The, the whole picture yeah someday That's, they'll just wake up and realise that they were always meant to be yeah. together <laughs> they're one club that nobody knew the Arsenal Hotspur what a glorious team that would be it would uh, any, any more thoughts on uh, Tottenham in the on their process they're not going to win the league uh, the top a top four finish it's like it's obviously a top four finish is very much in the remit, but it's so tight there at the moment, as we yeah, said there's, earlier. There's a bunching up now. Four like points four. between the t- second and seventh. Yeah, like, and like it, we're expect, in November. You it's do not expect early. Burnley to fall off, but still, like sixth. Yeah, they are level with they are level on points of fifth and sixth. Like yeah. that's with Arsenal, Liverpool. Yeah, like it's so close. Like any kind of slip up, and you could be completely left behind. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we have one of the so-called top six finish where Chelsea did the season before last in, what, where did Chelsea yeah. finish? Eighth or tenth? Tenth, I think. Yeah, usually could happen, yeah. just a bad run of games, yeah. and it's so tight that you fall down. Yeah, and especially especially Tottenham, because they don't have the money, like we were mm. saying earlier. They're there because they, they like the manager. They're buying into his process. They're buying into the system. They obviously like the culture at the club. And, I mean, that's definitely a plus for them. But if they finish sixth, you know, if they lose to Liverpool and Arsenal, the players have to start wondering, you know, I'm I'm coming into my prime now. I'm one of the best players. Like Christian Eriksen, I'm one of the best players in the world. Yeah. Do I really want to spend it at Tottenham? Yeah, and like the same could be said for Pochettino as well. Like yeah. I wonder like he's talked about being there for twenty years, yeah. but I'm very skeptical of that. Yeah. Like you don't see that in the modern day anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're definitely yeah. there's so many ways it could unravel for Spurs. Yeah. They, I don't Christian Eriksen will not be at Spurs this time next year. I cannot yeah, see it. It seems like he's no been linked heavily with Barcelona. Like yeah. he could I, be easily. But any like there. he would I think he would fit perfectly into the Real Madrid team as well. Yeah. Playing the the Luka Modric role. Oh, he's almost yeah. the exact same player as Luka yeah. Modric. Yeah, I, th- I think any team in the world yeah. would take him. Even someone like Juventus or Bayern yeah. come they, in yeah. They would zoom down to the ground. A team that would pay him probably at least double. I think the yeah. highest... What's the highest paid player at Spurs is £58,000. Is that hot? I think no, it is. I think, no, I think, I Kane, think Kane and Larissa are on 100. Oh, they're on 100. They, okay, yeah. so previously it was a Kyle Walker yeah. that was on 58. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think Danny contracts Rose. were redone. Yeah, because they have, a structure, yeah. they have a structure in place. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, this wasn't even six years ago, Nicholas Bentner changed his number to 52 because apparently he was on £52,000 yeah. Arsenal. Sure. Nicholas Bentner as a reserve. Yeah. Nicholas Bentner. Sure. Ashley Cole left Arsenal back in 2007, wasn't it? 2006. 2006. Yeah. That's After 11 years ago. He was on 60 grand a week, or they were offering him 60 grand a week and he wasn't happy with that, yeah. you know? He said it was a disgrace and he yeah. crashed his car. Yeah, that's 10 years ago yeah. now. And the wages have only gone up, they've and tripled. Th- yeah, and you can imagine almost if there's only two players on a hundred grand. Yeah, yeah I like mean, what about the rest yeah. of them? Like they must, if they see, you know, uh, Mesedos and Alexis yeah. Sanchez across the road, they're a mile apart. They probably know each other. Yeah, they're turning down contracts in excess of two hundred forty thousand pounds a week. Yeah, and they're performing better than these Arsenal players. Yeah, yeah. Well, like Arsenal did go through that as well. Like a part of that is just the new stadium, like. They, no, but it's a strict finance, it, and it's not to be. We don't because I'm in favor of football business prudence, financial prudence in this. Yeah. Don't spend more than you make. Yeah. But like, and maybe it's a reality for Spurs that they can't hold on to these players when they're at their peaks, and they must sell them on. But then sell them on and get the new ones in quicker. The way Dortmund are doing it now, and the way Monaco are doing it when they're buying at 18, 19, 20 and saying you're going to like the player from Man City whose name escapes me that they bought and gave the number seven shirt to. Dormant did. Oh yeah, Jane Sancho. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know they have to do that and trust yeah. into youth. And you know Dortmund will finish in Champions League places in Germany. This yeah, week. it's more comfortable there in Bundesliga. Like there's only so there's many. competition. Though. There, no, is, there is. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like nope. it's, it's not a given, but like it is so likely that they will. Well, I think I think it's likely because they unless Peter Bosch screws it up because they aren't doing very yeah. well at yeah. the moment. Yeah. They could switch manager. Pochettino could go there. Yeah. Pochettino could stay in Dortmund for twenty years. Yeah. No, um, I do feel we're being a little harsh on Spurs though, because I mean we we've been focusing on the flaws. They're still, you know, a very good team. Yeah, like they they we're going to talk about the Champions League now in a minute. Yeah. Like they are going to qualify top of their group, yeah. and that was the group of death that yeah. everyone yeah. had brought up beforehand. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, without looking into their depth, they don't have great depth. But their first eleven, you know, it's a match for any first eleven yeah. in the league. You know, yeah, certainly. Yeah. At least, well, yeah. everyone except Man City, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree. See the, their match because Tottenham were the team to stop Man City last year. Yeah, um, that was the Tot- difference. Tottenham stopped Chelsea as well. I know I was, you know, saying that they don't have a winner's mentality or a successful mentality, but they were the team that stopped Chelsea on their 13-game run. Yeah, You know, they can show up in these big games. They just need to get some consistency with it. Yeah, and like they did, we were saying, like they've lost to, what, Arsenal, they've lost yeah. to Man United and they've lost to Chelsea. Like, yeah. But they did beat Liverpool as yeah. well, who were supposed yeah. to be the best, uh, the best team for these kind of big matches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that will that will leave us for our topic of the show. We will preview the Champions League after this. Speaking of Spurs, as we just said, they could top the group. They play uh, Dortmund this week uh, away from home in Dortmund. It is just going from bad to worse for them. They've lost at the weekend, and now it seems like they're about to crash out of the Champions League at the group stages. Yeah, they're they're Dortmund. We we said before this is a group of death. That at the beginning, I would say most people would have picked Dortmund and Real Madrid to go throughout this group. Maybe the odd one might pick Spurs to finish second, but now Spurs are ahead in this group. Uh, win will give them. I think even a point is good enough for Spurs to get the yeah because of the way the the group falls. You know, this is it to win the group and then be in the last 16 and they could be clear of half the worst teams to play in Europe and get a good path to the quarterfinals. You know, this that that is that is beyond their wildest expectations, I'd say. To be Especially considering how last season went, as we mentioned earlier. Like, yeah. It was yeah. a total disaster. You know, and then Dortmund are just... We said Peter Bosch's job might be at yeah. risk. Dortmund, like... They started the season so well. They did. They were 20 points after the first eight games or something. Yeah. yeah. Something along those lines. But, I mean, I I actually watched the Stuttgart game because I was bored and there's nothing else on TV. Yeah. But, um, like, the first goal, they, they conceded after five minutes or something. And the goal was ridiculous. Um, Mark Bartra, I think, and Berkey, the goalkeeper... Um, it was complete miscommunication. There was no pressure, and that's happened before. As it well. has, like, it, it has. It's a trend. It's a trend. Yeah, I mean, like the keeper was coming out. The defender just had to play a back pass to him. Instead, you know, he's coming out further than he th- the defender expected him to. He hits the pass too hard. It bounces off the keeper's feet, and you know, yeah. forward as an open goal. And they're two of the most consistent performers this yeah. season. Berkey's probably been their best player. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he kept them in it against Apoel at times. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, like. I feel I feel sorry for Peter Bosch because he can't control that. You know, there is you can do all the coaching drills, you can do all the training, you can't stop your player making a silly mistake like that and the several others that have happened this season. Mm. But at the same time, there's obviously something gone wrong there. Yeah, because they weren't like the ma- they hated the manager, they hated Thomas Tuchel. Thomas, Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel this time yeah. last year, and everyone knew he was a dead man walking. And they didn't, you know, yeah. play this badly last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah they so were doing much better last season. So there is something up at the team, yeah. you know, with the team at the moment. And if they're not careful, they could, as we just said, they have very good young players and they have a commitment to these young players. But if they don't start pulling the finger yeah. out, yeah. they could be in serious trouble for reaching the top four in, in Germany. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how seriously they do treat the Europa League. Like they, if they, they qualify they, for it, then there's no guarantee yet. Yeah, yeah, that's Apple true. Apple well. still pass them. Um, no, I feel they have to prioritize the league really because that's that's their big attraction for young players that yeah. they can get Champions League experience. Mm-hmm. But like they have been, the problem, even with their defensive mistakes, the bigger problem is going forward. They they're not doing anything going forward. The get the goal they scored against um, Stuttgart was a penalty that was saved, and the rebound had to be scored. You know, 
Um, Andre Sherla is playing up front for them most of the time because Bamiyang's been dropped for yeah, disciplinary Bamiyang, issues. Yeah. He's leaving. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's yeah. mentally out. Like yeah, he's, he's, he's already checked out. Yeah. But like they've Sherla who cost them thirty million pounds or something. Yeah, like that's a lot for someone like Andre Sherla. Yeah, yeah. He it's was a utility yeah, attacker. Like. It's a lot for a club like Dortmund. And mm. I mean, he he hasn't performed there. I mean, he left Chelsea. Because, or for whatever reason, there was enough money and he wasn't happy with the minutes. He wanted more minutes. But he was playing better back then at Chelsea than he has since he's moved back, you know? He, I don't know, Dortmund, going forward, really, Puselic seems to be, you know, these people are kids. Yeah, Yeah, they're all kids, except for Charlotte. But the rest of them are kids. No, they do, they do, and you'd expect Sherlock should be bringing that bit of leadership or that bit of composure. It's worth a winner, like exactly. Like they, yeah. like the fact that they are giving someone like Jaden Sancho the number seven jersey. Like there, there's a pressure behind one of the bigger jerseys at the club as well. Yeah, yeah, and when you have only the young players to uphold that pressure, they can collapse and they exactly they can be crushed by it. Exactly, and like Dortmund have collapsed before. We saw it under Jurgen Klopp as well. Like they were, yeah. they were last at Christmas. Like yeah, still got Europa League football. For yeah, that yeah. was. An incredible second half yeah. of the season was all that would save them, and they, it was only Europa League in the end. Like, yeah. and they have so, like they did suffer from it. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They certainly did. But even then, like in that group, Real Madrid second, like that, so that'll be kind of a turn up for the books for the draw. Whenever that yeah, takes it's going to screw up a lot of teams in the draw. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure Juventus are also going to be second in, yeah. in the draw. So I, Juventus, uh, Real Madrid. I think I maybe think, Bayern Munich. Yeah. Chelsea could be second as well. Yeah. I think with the standings of it, because you can't draw a team from your own country. Yeah. Um, any English team who finishes second is in a world of trouble because there's four English teams top in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chelsea have something like a 50% chance to draw Barcelona if it goes as it is now yeah. and 25% to draw PSG. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to finish... Like, you barely want to finish first in the group with some of the teams coming second. Yeah, it is... Like, we saw a great Champions League groups or last 16 last year. Like, we, were, we could be in for another trip yeah. like that this yeah. year. Yeah, and I think they changed the seeding system for how the groups work. So that first, and um, the first seed is always the team who is the champion of the country. Yeah, the top they, eight countries. They did that a couple yeah. of seasons ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's been that's been great for the competition. Yeah, really. I think it's really helped the yeah. group stages. Yeah, because it's made it from you know most groups would be an easy one too, and you'd have a third competitive. Yeah, but like now we're getting three teams, and you look at it and you really don't know who's going to go through. Like yeah. Atletico, Roma, and uh, Chelsea. Is another group that's yeah, yeah, like that is a really big group, and like there's some big games coming up that there this week. Like Chelsea are, w- are away to Carabag, so like you'd expect three points there that should yeah. secure their qualification. The snow has Although, started though, yeah, oh, has it? yeah, yes. and there's no guarantee either. Like Atletico, Atletico, Atletico there, can yeah. do it, yeah, but like Atletico hosts Roma this week, and like if. If Roma can win that, that that would most likely secure top of the group, and they can avoid defeat. Even that's yeah. gone. Yeah. Atletico will be everyone. gone. Like they've yeah. been in like between Atletico and Dortmund, they've been in the quarterfinals each of the last five years. Like yeah. they've been three of the last finals between the two of them. Like yeah. it's yeah. they're huge teams to just all of a sudden not be in the last sixteen. Like yeah. the last sixteen could be really fresh this year. Yeah. yeah, it does seem like we're getting a bit of a shift. Um, yeah, we Champions League generally does go in sort of. Cycles, yeah, cycles yeah. yeah. Like we had yeah. the English teams, and then we had the Spanish teams, and Bayern and yeah, Juve. Even the Italians before yeah. that. Yeah, and now the Italians are coming back again now. Um, yeah. Napoli are looking. Well, Napoli are out. Yeah, Napoli. Napoli, right. Napoli could be <laughs> out okay. of the group bad example. Yeah. Bad example. But I was Juventus are getting yeah. the finals, and yeah. they're they're probably still going to easily get through to the knockout stages. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And like you think come next year that they will be back even bigger because like Inter Milan aren't in Europe this year, but they will most certainly qualify. Like Roma yeah. have been very good this season and they seem like they're only getting better. Yeah. You would think Napoli would be in a better position next year. Yeah. Hopefully they'll and have a Scudetto behind them. There's also um, so they can focus more on the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, but there's also the other clubs like um they've got some strength in depth now. It's not just the top two, it's the top six. It's like England. I mean Sampdoria beat uh, Juve at the weekend. Yeah, and another defeat for Juve. Another like, defeat for Allegri Juve. Allegri could be yeah. under a lot of trouble yeah. or a lot of pressure, rather. Mm. I think it's a bit early to be saying that because I mean they're still only two points behind. Yeah, and they're they're four. They're still rebuilt. He's rebuilt. Allegri has a lot of capital at Juventus at the moment because he's rebuilt the team four years in a row. He lost big players every yeah. single year for the last four years, and has come back every year and won the league and got to two Champions League finals along the way. He, this year he lost his best defender and the other like he's probably by the end of the season is going to lose at least two of his famous two more of that famous back three and goalkeeper because Buffon is likely to retire at the end of the season yeah he and said he will unless they win the Champions League Barzaghi is 37 at the end of the yeah. season so he's not even if he isn't retired he's not going to be in the same yeah he's going to be rebuilding again next yeah. summer if, he's, if he so stays so I don't think there's anyone better there's no one with better tools than Allegri to do that and I think they'll get into the Champions League knockout stages and probably get knocked out by a bigger team like they did. Yeah, like, like they have happened, done every year for yeah, the Yeah, like they got they got defeated by Bayern Munich a few years ago yeah. as well under Pep. Yeah. Like they might be one of the better, bigger teams to get just because they are in such poor form at the moment. Mm. Uh, the the other, like they play Barcelona this week, like you would think Barcelona will secure a top. Yeah, the um, first match was terrible, so you, yeah, was a draw three, with three both sides are both through. Like Juventus still have to worry about Sporting. I think I, I can't remember the how the group stands, but like Sporting, three is still, points. I think there's still a chance there. Yeah. Like if, if Sporting, if, sorry, if Juventus lose, like Sporting have like a, there's a door open for them to come in, mm-hmm. and like yeah. if Juve don't get out of the group stage, that'd be pretty poor for them. It's happened before under Conte. Yeah. Conte's never done well yeah. in Europe, yeah. which is why Chelsea are under yeah. risk. Yeah, and then just closing out, like Liverpool and United should secure qualification. Yeah. Liverpool topped the group. They're playing Sevilla away, but they should have beaten Sevilla the yeah. first time round. Yeah. You expect yeah. even if they don't get the result this week, they'll like get Sevilla it. Sevilla lost five yeah. one to Mopsir, Spartak Moscow. Like they're yeah, not, they're not the be- they're not the side that won three Europa leagues in a row. Yeah. No, yeah, no, and even in Spain, they're not doing as well. Yeah. Like last year, they were putting serious pressure on Barca and Real. This year, you know, yeah. they've fallen away again. They don't have Simone Zaza. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then United just need a point against Basel to top yeah. the group because yeah. the way that group they already is have twelve. United yeah. already have twelve yeah. points. Yeah. Like yeah. They will get a point even if they don't. Get, if they unlikely. lose their last two matches. They'll probably still win the game. Yeah, highly unlikely that they don't qualify as well. And Man City yeah. are through as well. Then yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that that will do us for this week. Uh, you know, I think we I think we've gone through everything that we needed to go through. Uh, thank you for listening, and please get in touch. Uh, email us at the tfpod at gmail dot com if you've any thoughts on what we discussed or any uh, topic of the show ideas uh, you can follow us individually uh, on Twitter I'm at Cheesy Heartpun and you're at, at Combon27 Tyus you're not on Twitter I'm not yet you, no. you need to get on that at some point like it's great um, and abuse pre- for everyone yeah <laughs> uh, remember to subscribe rate and review on whatever platform uh, you choose uh, that just leads me to say thank you to uh, Andrew and Matthias thank you Dan. cheers and uh, goodbye from me